You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you, you can follow us on Twitter, at Locked On WBB. You can follow us on Facebook. Go ahead and like us there. And most important, please go ahead and rate and review us. Subscribe at iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. It's a way for more people to hear about women's basketball, something that's very important to me and to you as well. And there's this particular spotlight in women's basketball that really gets undercovered, and that is uh, Division Three women's basketball, which enters its final four week this week, and we're fortunate enough to have an expert in the subject uh, in Sarah Summer, who covers it for D3 Hoops. Uh, Sarah, thanks for coming and joining us today. Thank you for having me. So take me through, if you could, at the start, what brings you to covering Division Three Hoops? It's something uh, very near and dear to my heart. I love D3Hoops.com. I've loved it uh, for years and years. I went to a D3 school. I went to Bard. And so really respect what Pat Coleman was able to put together over there. But how would you get into it? Well, I wanted to cover more local, small-scale sports. I think that there are a lot of stories there that uh, don't get enough attention, and I was just Googling one day and looking for a site that would take those types of stories and came across D3 Hoops, and I was really lucky to find it. They have provided a great platform for me and uh, just a great platform in general for D3 basketball. Um, It's been great writing for them. I started... Uh, in 2015, uh, so this is my second full season covering the team. Um, in 2015, I covered the postseason um, and focused on women, and since then I've become their Atlantic columnist and covers the Atlantic region, men and women. It's really been fun. Well, and it's been terrific for me. I, I love, you CC me on stories and bring it to my attention, and so uh, you're able to allow me to keep up as we go, but this is uh, an SOS to anyone out there. You'd be lucky to have Sarah uh, write for you, so highly recommend her work. Uh, you can follow her, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-S-O-M-M uh, is her handle on Twitter, so not to be missed. But let's get into some of the specifics of the Final Four, and there's some really Really interesting matchups coming up. Uh, first place we have to start, I think, is with Amherst and the kind of dominance that they have put forward this year. They went out and won their Elite Eight game against UMass Dartmouth, 73-33. They've been number one. Do you see them as the clear favorites to win it all? I do. Um, this UMass Dartmouth game, the outcome was never in question. Amherst jumped out to, I believe, a 22-2 to lead after the first quarter. Wow. And just watching the game, I mean, it's really just beautiful basketball. It sounds cheesy, but they move the ball so well. Their scoring is really balanced. Um, they play very good team basketball. And then the, defensively, they're the number one team in the nation among D3 women giving up only 40 points per game and uh, so yeah I think they're, they're the team to beat and what will be interesting is if they end up facing Tufts in the national championship game that'll be the third time Amherst and Tufts face each other. Uh, Amherst has won both of those games but they were very close very low scoring games uh, mm. because Tufts is also one of the top defensive teams. And, and Tufts number two I believe at 42.5 so you see Amherst and Tufts as the two clear favorites to win their semifinal games? 
I do. I think St. Thomas uh, is going to be tough. They have a really good player in senior center, Caitlin Langer, who has 11 double-doubles this year. Um, she had 18 points, 19 rebounds in the Elite Eight against Whitman. Um, she has scored in double digits in every game this year. Uh, really had a breakout year last year. Her first year as a starter was named her conference player of the year with the first team All-American. So she's really been a dominant player these past two seasons. Um, and her 18 points uh, in the Elite Eight, that's what Washu scored in the first half against Tufts in the Elite Eight. So um, this is going to be uh, a challenge for Tufts uh, facing this type of offensive force. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas Moore was the defending champion as well, right? Yes. So They were knocked out earlier in the tournament. Yeah, so what happened? What changed this year? Because I believe they went into the tournament undefeated as well, yes? Um, you know, I haven't followed them particularly this season because I've been focused on the Atlantic region, sure. but there were some upsets early in the tournament. I mean, SDU Florham seemed like they could have made a run, and mm. they were out um, in the first weekend. Montclair State was out in the first weekend, and that's uh, the bracket that uh, UMass Dartmouth came out of and faced mm-hmm. Amherst in. So, um, you know, I think it, part of it is just, you know, the unpredictability of March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it's, there's some madness involved as well. I, I, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about Montclair State before we get back to the semifinals because uh, you and I met up there uh, a couple weeks ago. I was really impressed by that team, by Katie Sire. What went wrong for Montclair State and were you surprised? Did you expect them to come out of that bracket? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I think just their shots weren't falling against UMass Dartmouth. They had a tough game against Westfield State, a very high-scoring team, and they were able to hold them off um, 81-73. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this game, uh, the final score against UMass Dartmouth was 71-63, so it wasn't particularly close. Um, but Katie Sire 0 for 5 from 3 in that game. Um, Rachel Krause 0 for 6 from 3. Um, Katie Sire overall was seven for twenty-three from the field. So uh, very you know, I think part of it, exactly, yeah, shots just not falling, and um, I think UMass Dartmouth was just you know able to capitalize. What's interesting to me when you look at the numbers of the D3 Final Four teams is you have among, like you said, one and two in terms of. Uh, defense, uh, but the number one team, if you do a national ranking among the Final Four on the offensive side, is Christopher Newport. Is that their stock and trade? Yeah, the thing that I was finding um, studying Christopher Newport is that they have very balanced scoring. Um, they have you know, a lot of players who are capable of putting having big games, double-figure kind of games, um, but it can be a different player every night. I mean, their leading scorer is Sam Porter. Um, she's averaging 12.9 points per game. Um, but they've also had uh, some really good three-point shooting lately. Uh, Jasmine Bonneval, uh, Micah Maloney, and Anitra Thomas, all off the bench, um, recently had a big three-point shooting game. Uh, you know, so yeah, they have a, a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. And, and so... You know, relative to that, do you think that is another way to win a championship? Or is there, uh, defense is obviously always of vital importance, but when you look at teams that win at the D1 level, typically they are near the top in both offensive and defensive categories. Can, 
Is it easier to win, do you think, at the D3 level with a pure defensive team? And if so, do you have any theories as to why? You know, I, Amherst and Tufts are showing that the cliche of defense winning championships can mm -hmm. be true, but um, they also didn't win the championship last year true. or the year before. So, um, you know, I, I think both are obviously important. Um, it remains to be seen. I mean, Christopher Newport, I think, just has a really balanced offense, and I think, you know, balance would be key. Um, if you're looking at offense as the thing that's going to get you a championship, I don't think you can rely on just one player, especially when you're playing against such tough defensive teams. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a great answer for it, but sure. I, I think there is a lot to be said for a balanced offense and ball movement. So let's talk a little bit about Tufts and the national profile they have. Having Carla Berube, uh, who played under Gina Oriema, do you think it makes a difference? I was at the Women's Final Four in Indianapolis last year where it was not just D1, but D2 and D3 as well, and it seemed to affect how much attention D3 gets, which is always something where already it's difficult at times to get the media to pay attention to women's basketball, but D3 and women's basketball is a whole other thing. Do you think that makes a difference, and do you think it would be good for the game at the D3 level for Tufts to win purely from that reason alone? I mean, I think it would be good. It would elevate D3 women's basketball even more, but I think what they've been doing so far, getting to their fourth straight Final Four, having Carla Beribe as their head coach, has already done so much for them nationally and for D3 nationally. Um, I think just they seem like a team that has done the work and deserves to win a final, uh, championship, hmm. and they seem to be headed in that direction. They reached the championship game last year after just making it to the semifinals in those first two years. Um, so it seems like it's their year in some respects, although obviously they haven't been successful against Amherst, who they right. could face. Um, but in terms of elevating D3, I think it would give more recognition to the league and that's because they already have that uh, sort of name brand recognition with the UConn connection. Well, and, and listen, a, a, any uh, NESCAC victories are something great for academics and basketball at the same time. So take me through what that matchup will be like. If we can get an Amherst-Tufts final, uh, how close can Tufts keep it? How have they been in terms of staying competitive with Amherst so far? What's that been like? And do you think there is an inherent challenge, of course, in beating a team for a third time? I mean, I think it would definitely be another battle, another really close, low-scoring game if they were to meet up again. Um, you look at their two games this year, uh, February 4th, their regular season matchup, Amherst won by one point, 36-35. Mm -hmm. uh, then the NETSAC championship, Amherst won by four points, 41-37. And this was also a really intense rivalry last year with two really close games. Uh, Tufts won in the regular season 52-51 and then lost in the NESCAC final 50-49. to hmm. So these teams know each other really well, always play really close games. Um, they both have veteran lineups, really experienced players, players who have been a part of this rivalry for a while. So I think, you know, it would definitely be another intense, close matchup. And... It's hard to say if Tufts could 
come out on top. I mean, they were obviously very close to doing it the first two times. So I don't know if that whole, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times comes into play as much here because each game really could have gone either way. So, um, you know, I think if Amherst pulls it out again, it would obviously be a, a dominant showing by them to beat them three times in a season. But if they were to lose a close game to Tufts, I don't think that would say you know, too much about either team either way. No, for sure. And it'll be fascinating to see. Now, in terms of being able to see it, what are some of the ways that you find, and and obviously D3 Hoops is going to be something that's a big part of your answer, I would imagine, because <laughs> it is for me, but what do you find as the best and easiest ways to follow these top teams, to be able to watch, to be able to uh, understand them? How do you go about doing it when there's so little coverage that goes along with D3 women's hoops. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that so many games are streaming online now makes it so easy to watch teams and get to know them that way. And, you know, whenever I'm on Twitter, I try to tweet out links to the games I'm watching because mm-hmm. it really is easy to access them now. And, I mean, this weekend with the tournament and so many games to watch, you could really just go back and forth among a lot of different games. And it's um, fun to do that way. Um, in terms of uh, articles, reading about the team, yeah, it's tough to find places that consistently focus on D3 basketball. Um, some of the team's local papers, uh, hometown kind of papers, um, will write about the team periodically, um, especially in tournament time. You'll find, um, you know, sometimes even Boston Globe, and because Tufts has more of a national profile, um, ESPN, as I know you tweeted out recently, did an article about Carla Barile. Yeah. Um, so I try to, you know, just Google the teams and find whatever local articles I can, um, because those, you know, tend to be good and give good insight into the team, and having that local flavor is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will mean, tell you, I'm by the way. Like it, hoops too. It, it, it breaks my heart, to be frank, that the tournament finals are not all paired together. I absolutely loved what they did last year, where they had the D2 and the D3 finals during the day between the semifinals and finals on site at the D1 Women's Final Four. I really hope they get back to that. Was was there any reason why that change was only for a single year? Do you, uh, and do you think it would be a good idea for them to return to it? Um. I would have to double-check this, but I think there was some sort of anniversary last year that made that significant to have all of the women's games together. I see. Um, So I think that was a one-time kind of thing. It it does seem nice to bring it all together, and it would be fun if that was the norm. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure Hmm. what their plans are going forward. I hope they do, because it sure was terrific. Well... In terms of how to watch the Final Four, is it on TV? Is it going to be streamed? What, are, what is the way to access that for fans who want to take a look? My plan is to look online, um, just at the team's websites, um, to find the live uh, streams that way. It's possible that uh, the final will be an ESPN3 kind of thing, but I haven't, double, I haven't checked that. Um, but usually just going to the team websites is the easiest way to, to get the right info about wherever it'll be broadcast. Um, and the, the live streams are usually quite good, you know, 
feels like real TV, you know, and I haven't had any real technical difficulties that way. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. And then when I mirror it from my phone or from my computer to the, te to the television, uh, it allows me to watch my alma mater and so many others as well. Well, my suggestion, Sarah, th these are all great ideas, but my suggestion to listeners is to go ahead and follow you on Twitter as a clearinghouse for this type of information. Uh, Sarah Summer, thank you so much for filling us in, in the world of D3 Hoops. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. And we'll have plenty ahead in the weeks to come, both on-site at the Women's Final Four and many of the movers and shakers in the game, both college and pro, in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, I'm Howard Meddahl, wishing you a wonderful day.